This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to The Narrators. Today's story comes from writer, improv teacher, and storyteller Frankie Lee Freeman. The theme of the show was Roots. Hello, my name is Frankie Lee Freeman. Uh, I can officially say that now. I just got married a week and a half ago. Uh, Thank you. Uh, One of my husbands is in the audience tonight, uh, one of my endless supports. Um, When I was invited to come to uh, speak at the narrators this week, I was like, fuck, what am I going to talk about? And um, I initially thought I was going to talk about my dad, but I decided to not give that alcoholic egotistical prick the time of day. Um, So instead, I'm going to talk about my (laughs) ex-boyfriend. A different alcoholic egotistical prick. Uh... I want to start off with a little bit of backstory about uh, the Millingtons, which is my former name, Frank Millington III. So, very on brand with the British thing. I had a lot of pissed off theater teachers growing up when they met me, and they're like, you're not British? I'm like, no, I'm from Arizona. (laughs) Um, John Millington, in 1708, uh, boarded a ship from England to the United States. Uh, He was a prisoner and one of the only people to hold the last name Millington on his way here. He was a prisoner seeking asylum. He had made a lot of mistakes in his life and uh, unfortunately was being persecuted heavily in the UK and decided to flee. Um, He was among many that made that trek, but he was among few that actually survived to uh, live a new life. Fast forward a number of years to uh, May of 2016. Frank Millington III boarded in his 2006 off-white PT cruiser, (laughs) playing Stadium Arcadium by Red Hot Chili Peppers, breaking up with his Mormon girlfriend over text, and on his way to spend the night with his first boyfriend ever. Oh yeah, it's a big time. Um, He had also just called in sick to uh, giving a talk at state conference for the Mormon church and decided to throw away his mission call. So, a lot there. But uh, in similar vein to John Millington, I had also made a lot of mistakes. I was seeking asylum, and I wanted a new beginning. And I boarded that PT cruiser with a number of my nearest and queer dearest. And I was among the few that survived that perilous journey that summer. Q first boyfriend, (laughs) 19 years old, and uh, the man is 20 years older than me. Uh, Yes, I am attracted to older men. Um, It's a funny little thing that Demi Lovato and I call daddy issues. Um, And uh, I was in love. It was the first time I had felt safe. It was the first time I had felt comfortable. It was the first time I had ever really seen myself as queer or gay, at least openly and authentically, you know, not behind closed doors or over Craigslist personal ads. Um, And not, you know, with 
anyone that I didn't want to be with because I wanted to be with him. And I, I've told this story a, a lot more now that I've been through and years of therapy and EMDR therapy and you know all of the therapy to get the icks of everything that went down out of my head. And uh, um, I've taken to speaking gleefully because it was my first boyfriend, but I've never really just kind of expressed the anger that I have around everything that happened. And I think that I owe that to myself because I don't ever let myself just be honest. Most of the time, I just try to get up and make you laugh with my humor and insecurities. <laughs> but tonight, I kind of just want you to feel the pain that I felt because I think sitting in solidarity with other humans and vulnerability is an important thing. And it's something that I took for granted pre-pandemic. We moved very quickly into our relationship. I started uh, living with him uh, about two days after we started dating. And by living, I mean I disappeared from my mom's house for two weeks. She was very concerned, and if my mother were here tonight, she'd be glaring at me from the audience because she is like a P-flag parent, except she never got to be a P-flag parent because I didn't come out until I was in college. So, she was concerned. I was in love, and I was in love with someone who more or less kept forgetting that they were in love with me. The unfortunate thing about Steve is despite the love and adoration that he shared for me, he was an incredibly active alcoholic. And it was something that I overlooked. Initially out of blindness, I grew up in a family of alcoholics. So I very well acknowledge that own part of myself that could travel that road, which is why I've made it very clear to my nearest and dearest that at any point I'm willing to give it up so I don't ever put someone through what I went through. And having to remind someone every day that you're together and having to remind someone every day, it's like 50 first dates, except it's not cute. <laughs> it's sad and you're 19 and you just want to feel loved and you want to live your dreams and you want to do it with this person, but they just keep forgetting. And then their anger starts because they acknowledge that you're 19 and you're fresh into this world and that they're not your forever. So they get angry and they lash out. They call you in the middle of the night asking where you are. I was right outside smoking a cigarette, but um, <laughs> angry that you're going and spending time with your friends your age, saying that you need to grow up and get a full-time job and get rid of your dreams because they're not attainable. Everything's already been done. You can't write the next new thing. You can't perform in the next new thing. You just have to go and be a full-time partner and yet he was over there drinking himself into a stupor each night. Needless to say, uh, I write and I tell stories and I get invited to do these shows now and I'm 25 many years after this fact, so fuck off to every guy that has ever said that shit to me. Um, <laughs> and I now have two very beautiful loving husbands who push me further into my goals and my dreams every day, so you know, it does get better, but sometimes it has to be worse before it can get better. So fast forward to the end of that summer and, uh, uh, Steve and I go to bed one night, normal, everything's fine. We just went to a Broncos game and I wake up the next morning to, uh, a gruesome sight. Um, Steve had, uh, internal bleeding. There was a name for it that I forgot and maybe I've just blacked it out. And, uh, 
he was checked into the hospital that afternoon. Um, and at 19 years old, I got interrogated by uh, EMTs and firemen about his well-being and came to find out that not only had he been drinking so much, he hadn't been taking his HIV medication. And so everything just got worse and worse and worse. And then I took, I, well, I didn't take two weeks off of work. I quit work and I stopped going to school for two weeks to go sit in his hospital room wondering what the fuck was going on. <laughs> Myself and a friend of mine uh, were deemed his uh, medical powers of attorney and uh, because his family didn't want to be there. And I think back to that and I'm like, you know, I see these social workers come in and out and these nurses and granted, it's not their job to dig deep, but like, what would I think if I walked into a hospital room right now and I saw a 19 year old curled up in a chair trying to stay awake to see if his boyfriend's gonna die in the hospital bed. He ended up passing away and uh, then I reboarded the off-white 2006 PT Cruiser playing Stadium Arcadium by Red Hot Chili Peppers and I moved down to Denver to start anew. I look back and I think about how angry I am that I had to grow up so quickly. I look back and I think how angry I am that I had to continuously prove to someone who I was to them. And I think back and how angry I was that I didn't get that box record Madonna set out of his fucking apartment when his brother came through and threw everything the fuck away. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I think back at how that was the first time I started censoring my emotions. <laughs> how I started holding stuff back and I think back and that's when I started really getting into comedy and I realized, oh shit, I can, I can cover this shit up. I can make people laugh because something I don't do with myself or with the people around me because I'm just too sad. It is now six years later <laughs> and uh, I finally feel at a place where I have genuinely healed from that experience genuinely healed from having been uprooted for the first time of many times. And the thing that I've learned about myself and through gardening with one of my husbands is that you can uproot anything, just replant it, treat it well, nourish it and give it the time and space to grow into what it's going to be. And that's something I'm, that's something I'm doing right now. And I really feel like for the first time in a long time, I actually have a fucking future ahead of me in comedy, in writing, in marriage, in life. And it just feels really good to finally just get out the fact that as much as I'm sad about everything that happened, I'm also pissed. And instead of judging my younger self for his mistakes, I just want to go and give him a hug and tell him, guess what? You did the best with what you had. You had all the information that you could use and you used it and you survived. And that's the only thing that you could do. So give yourself a fucking break. So whew, thank you. <laughs> Y'all have just gave me a last little dose of therapy on this topic and uh, I'm grateful for it. Have a great night.
The Narrators is produced by me, Ron Doyle, and Aaron Roman, with help from Karen Wachtel, Jesse Witten, Scott Carney, and Sydney Crane. Our music is by Gabby Gutierrez-Reed and Kevin Matthews. Special thanks to our sponsors, Bumport Theatre Company, Illegal Pete's, Wana Brands, and Great Divide Brewing Company. We'll be back next week with a new episode. If you're in Denver, please join us for one of our live shows, which take place on the third Wednesday of every month. For more information about the live show or past episodes of this podcast, you can click on the link in our show notes or visit our website, thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.